We all have photographers that inspire us, and today's guest is somebody that has inspired me for years and years with his amazing music photography, but he's made some changes in his life, and he's changed what he photographs as well. We take extreme photography to new heights on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot, the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. And today's guest is somebody I've wanted to have on for a really long time. I first found out about this person on Twitter, very active on Twitter back in the day, and he's actually not on Twitter anymore, which is kind of interesting. When I first found out about my guest today, he was a well-known music photographer, and he did something called Follow Friday that a lot of people on Twitter do. And part of the fact that I have any followers on Twitter at all, the fact that I was interviewed by a couple of websites is all actually due to this guy because he mentioned me on Follow Friday and people found out about me. So I owe him that big time. But not only that, there are photographers that we find in our careers that inspire us, right? Uh, whatever it is, it may be the type of photography they do. It may be the way that they edit it, whatever it is. But today's photographer that I've got on as a guest inspires for life reasons well beyond photography. So I gotta say welcome and thank you so much for coming on to my guest today. Anthony Dangio. Anthony, how are you, buddy? Um, it's a pleasure, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. Um, um, having great. you on <laughs> is, is, I'm serious, this is a really big deal to me because you have been an inspiration in my photography in many, many ways. It's not just your photography. You're an amazing music photographer. We'll get into that. But you've kind of redirected your brand, what you shoot, your outlook on life, it seems like. There's a lot about you that I want to get into today, but let's start here because you have changed kind of how you approach photography. When someone comes up to you now and says, oh, you're a photographer, what do you photograph? <laughs> What's my you're answer? laughing because you know what I mean. <laughs> how do you answer that? Um, I photograph life. That's pretty much how I, I, I kind of see it myself. Um, it's, it's very hard and I guess to, to pick a, a field or a, or a direction to what I do. Um, I love photography and I love life. And, and I think that's kind of, um, been the case over the past 18 months, um, for a variety of reasons. And, and I think for me to, to be able to say that, you know, I can do anything and I can photograph anything and I'm always learning. And, and that's kind of how I, how I approach my photography or how I approach anything that I do going forward. Um, whether and that be and that's true, or- actually. You can photograph an- anything because I've seen you. I've seen photographs. Obviously, your music photographs are well known, but you did, you know, ice dancing for Disney and you've done wedding <laughs> photography and promo photography and the type of photography we're going to discuss today, which... Yep. I don't want to call it travel photography. It's not travel photography. I almost want to call it extreme photography. But along with photography, when you say you photograph life, this is one of those things for me about you, right? Um, Many people would know you from your early days on social media as Get Flexed or Flex. Um, That brand has been retired. And your new tagline, purely from a marketing point of view, dude, brilliant, right? Your world, my eyes. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny because um, a good friend of mine, we were talking about um, this documentary that I'm in the process of making, which I won't go into too much, but she said to me, you should call it Your World, My Eyes. And I thought, no, I want to, and I guess this is where my branding and, and marketing background came into it. I, I did not want the documentary um, to merge with the brand. That was that was to do with me. Your World, My Eyes is, is my statement. Um, the documentary is part of that. And I guess that that's, you know, it, it's, it's a big thing. And I thought about it and I thought, well, that, that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm trying to visualise the world. Um, and allow people to see what I see because I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. So, well, and again, going back to the marketing thing, that line is so inviting, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's intriguing. It's, it's what your world, my, uh, I got to see this. It's one of those type things. It's, it really is one of the brilliant taglines of all time, Thank in my you. opinion. <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned you have a marketing background and you can see that one of the things I, I when I do presentations on photography at photography groups, you're one of the ones I mentioned. I do a little thing at the end of, you know, those photographers that inspire me. And I, I, I do. I mention you. But one of the reasons I mention you to a lot of people is there's always the debate of do you watermark your image? Right. And we've all seen it everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, my attitude is watermark. Don't watermark. Do whatever fits yeah. for you. But yeah. if you're going to watermark. Do it in a way that is well done. I mean, it's still a photo and it's graphic design and you took the time to compose it and lay it out and make it work. And and that if, if people get nothing else out of today, go look at Anthony's watermarks. <laughs> the, the evolution of my watermarks. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. Yeah, the evolution of your watermarks. The 17 watermarks. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've worked with some big names, right? So yes, Nat Geo. Disney. I have the feeling based on the shot we're going to talk about I've today and the Nat type Geo of stuff you're doing no, now, I, Nat Geo is going to be a big one. Nat Geo. You have not, not done Nat National Ge Geographic? No, I wish I had. <laughs> oh, no, well, you know what? I thought you had. <laughs> no, <laughs> if I have and it's and it's in, you know, in, in the back of my mind, remind me because I, I no, I don't. I haven't. OK, well, based on what to. you're shooting now, they're going to be knocking on your door. There's well, no question. So. And, and people will know what I mean when I show, show the today's shot. Uh, Disney, you did some Disney yep. stuff. You've done BBC. Yep. Um, you've done CMA multiple times in Nashville. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the big cover now, uh, Eric Church on the Rocks, yep. um, which is there's a couple of different covers. There's the one that's yeah, in is. color with the, the black and white the, circle. And then there's the right. other one. The I want to ask you someday about shooting at Red Rocks because I love that sure. cover. It's beautiful. It's it's a stunning venue. I mean, it did help that Eric's production was was set up in that way. It just created a perfect mood light um, for what he was trying to portray in, in that show, um, and it was just stunning. But yeah, that that whole that when you step into Red Rocks, you, you're kind of stepping into something quite surreal and ethereal. It's it's amazing. The you got to go in the tunnel. It. Sorry. You got to go in the tunnel. Yeah, I did. <laughs> There's a tunnel for those people that don't know Red Rock Amphitheater in Colorado. There's a tunnel that goes from like where the dressing rooms are to the stage. And only yeah. the artists and their photographers and crew go through that thing. And it's signed by anybody yes. who's everybody. And it's yeah. a dream of mine. It's a bucket list to go through that tunnel. So one other thing you've got going, and I want to touch on this more at the mm. end, but you do have the documentary type project that you're doing yeah. called The Untitled. Yes. We'll touch on that in detail, like I say at the end, but just give me a quick synopsis of, of what is The Untitled. The reason I chose that title, and again, that was a, a debate with a few people, um, I want people to take out of that 
documentary that I'm making, whatever they put into it or they, whatever they want to take out of it. It's not a film about mountains. It's not a film about me and self-indulgent film about my journey or, you know, being up on top of a summit. It's a film about inspiration and, and, and well, it's a film about anything really. You know, if people want to take out, take from it that it is about mountains and it's great and it's beautiful scenery, fantastic. Or if people delve a bit further into it and it's they can see the journey and they can relate to the journey, then that's great. So I wanted to keep it generic. I didn't want to call it something that was going to pigeonhole it. Again, going back to like the brand and that kind of stuff. I want to empower the people, I guess, um, to take from it what they want. No one may ever see it, you know. It's it's not about that. I'm doing it for posterity. If I have um, any say in it, people will see it because I've gone and watched. You've got a couple of series episodes up there and then you've got um, the trailer. Yeah. But, but this is the type of photography that you're doing and what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And in, in, in this trailer, you use your drone and you get these mm-hmm. crazy... I don't even yeah. know what to call them. They're like selfie flybys. Yeah, they, they are. <laughs> you they know, are. And I'll tell like, you what, oh, my, hey, drone, uh, my drone doesn't like me very much. <laughs> well, I but have, you get these killer shots and then you use your 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 amazing photographic eye. Um, in ways in this, both shooting yourself, shooting your surroundings, shooting your environment, shooting, it just hit me, shooting our world through your eyes. Yeah. Um, You went from being a top music photographer, touring with Eric Church and doing all of the CMA stuff and BBC stuff. You went from being a top music photographer, which you still are, and you kind of reinvented and found your life slightly differently and decided, you know what? I'm going to go on this quest for mountain climbing. I'm not talking hiking, although you do yeah. that too, but mountain climbing. And and what's your goal? My understanding is it's 2020. <laughs> it was. And and I'm I'm one of these people that, you know, will chop and change. I'm continually evolving. When I got back from the Himalaya, um, I'll touch on it briefly, but when I got back from the Himalaya, I kind of, reassessed everything you know um there's a lot of reasons what but at this point in time i'm not looking at um going for the summit of everest um for a lot of reasons and there's no point going into it now but but having said that there's a lot of other things that i'm interested in doing and that's not to say that i won't go back to that you know concept i mean for one it's you know forty five thousand us dollars to summit so that's going to be a big hit um, so that's one reason, but but you you're know, still there, climbing plenty. actively yeah. and taking yeah. pictures. Yeah, and and I Which, can, and I will continue to because that's something that has really, um, I guess, reinvigorated my passion for so many different things, um, not just photography, but life. Well, and that brings us perfectly into today's shot because this was a shot that you took on an extreme hike. I mean, this is not yeah. you know climbing your hill in your local neighborhood. Um, tell me just. An overview. Where where is this shot that I just okay? That that light that you see that that lit um, establishment over there is a place called Tingboche Monastery. Um, That's probably about five or six days into the hike to Everest Base Camp, um, deep within the Himalaya. Um, It's okay, and and I I have to ask a question because in the the written text for your your documentary, you mention in the Himalaya. Is it Himalaya or would it be in the Himalayas? Well, actually, it's Himalaya, um, which I've recently discovered. We are all pronouncing it incorrectly. Okay. Um, so, so I think 
it must be something to do with the the origins of the word. Um, but you I don't pluralize always- it when you're referring to it. Sorry, you don't pluralize I don't think you it. Do. I don't think you do, to be honest. I've heard a lot of people in. I mean, I've I've been listening to and watching a lot of um, you know climbing and, and documentaries on on the on the Himalaya, um, and everyone who has had the experience or, or you know years of experience there tend to refer it as the Himalaya, um, the Himalayan mountain range. So, I think it's it's just something that has become the norm, and people have just said it as Himalayas. It, it is what it is, really. So, <laughs> this is, know, this is way up is. in them. Yeah. It's about we're, – we're talking about 4,000 metres here, um, which is about 13,000 feet. So, wow. Um, you know, minus 15 degrees around uh, – I'm talking Celsius here, so probably not that far much difference in Fahrenheit. Um, and that, we, we'd hiked to that point, um, came through the valley where you see the clouds. That's where we came up. And arrived at the monastery there. So the 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 trail to the monastery is is that lower cloud area on the left, yeah, underneath there. Now, that's one thing. One thing about valleys in the Himalaya, um, they they really do attract cloud, and and you can almost guarantee that a certain time of the afternoon or evening, you're going to get a an influx of cloud um, coming through. And you know, I've seen it. You know, it's gone from bright blue to zero visibility within the space of 20 minutes and a drop of about 30 degrees in temperature <laughs> it's crazy it's you know the mountains have their own their own um microclimate which is it, it's exciting but it's it's also can be quite dangerous if you're not well equipped well and from a photography point of view <laughs> this is this is brutal right i mean yeah, yeah you you okay so are you when you hike up in here you're staying at the monastery we stayed one night. Uh, let me think. It was one night there. We have a few places we we acclimatized for two nights. But um, at Tingboshi, we stayed one night and then we continued on. Um, so that was that. We we usually arrived at places at around mid afternoon, three or four p.m., and would have early nights because we'd have a six a.m. start for the next day, and that's essentially what it was here. Um, but I, of course, being me and, and the tagline for the whole trip, you know, amongst the, the other um, members of the expedition was always, where's Anthony? Because, <laughs> you know, whilst everyone was playing cards um, or drinking tea at wherever we stopped, I would be out on a ridge or something taking photos or flying the drone or what have you. It was just, it was kind of, kind of, um, it, it became the tagline of the trip. And it still so is. So how I'm did you get to people. this spot? Well, this was um, – so this is about 4 a.m. Um, I'd always sort of wake up. It was really hard to sleep at higher altitudes as well, so you'd had broken sleep throughout the night. Um, and I would get up, um, and I think basically there is a little bit of a path across from the monastery, and it's just following the path up, which becomes a ridge. Um, and I just thought, I'm going to keep going. I had, and, and this is what I tend to do with, with the photos. I don't really know where I'm going especially since I hadn't been there before. And I just thought I'd continue up until I saw some kind of nice vantage point, um, bearing in mind, obviously, that it was, you know, minus 15 or whatever it was in, in temperature. So I didn't want to stay up for too long. Um, I got up on top of that, that ridge, as you see, which probably took me about 40 minutes to get up and sort of turned around and I thought, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it was just – and it, and you kind of – felt like that throughout the whole expedition you know until you've been to the himalaya you just don't know it's it's a completely different world it's you're looking at clouds and then you're seeing peaks rising above the clouds it's 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 like vegas <laughs> you you can't well in the sense that you can't you can't sort of 
imagine the scale of Vegas from a photo until you're actually there. And it's right. the same thing, you know, that that photo or any photos of the Himalaya, it doesn't do it justice until you're there. And I think that's one reason I kind of moved to video as well, because that gives you more depth. Um, well, and, and, and the scale is one of the interesting things to me, because you do get kind of a sense from the mountains that are in the background, but you mentioned that you walked 40 minutes or so mm. to get to this spot from the from the yep. monastery. And that kind of puts in perspective, yep. looking where the monastery is, that's a 40 minute, not just walk down a street, right? I no, mean, that's a no, 40 exactly. minute hike. In the dark. And what's, what's really <laughs> cracking me up here is Anthony went for a hike when everybody else was sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I stayed up. I stayed up and took a um, a star trail shot later on, you know, and I got it wrong the first time. <laughs> so I was there shooting for an hour. And I thought, oh, God, another hour out here. 3 a.m. goes, 4 a.m. goes. That was me. That's me. I don't do things by halves. You know, I again, I refer to this as extreme photography, but I, I am kind of curious because this is not the type of photography that I do for a number of reasons. One of which is 4 a.m. and I aren't friends. <laughs> um, but with that said, when you're doing this type of photography in minus 15 Celsius at four o'clock in the morning, right? You got to get um, it right. <laughs> and not only that, but you've hiked a ridge. Yeah. There is risk involved. People fall, you know, whatever. Yeah. What are, what are, you know, I started to say, what are the gear risks and what are the gear issues that you have here? You know? Uh, lenses fogging up or acclimation of yeah. your gear to the temperature. But what are all the challenges that you have from a photography point of view with being in this extreme environment? You've got to, um, I guess, it, you've got to get it right as quickly as possible. I guess that, that's, that's the thing that sticks in my mind wherever I am. It doesn't have to be, you know, 14,000 feet up and it could be, you know, 3,000 feet up in the, in the Welsh mountains because, you know, a mountain is a mountain. It doesn't matter how high it is. It's still going to attract cloud. It's going to attract an interesting change of weather really quickly as well. Um, so it is about making sure you get it right. And I think that just comes with experience. You kind of get a feel for how long you need to set your exposure, or set your shutter because um, you're shooting in bulb mode at these kinds of night at these kinds of time all the time anyway. So you, you kind of estimate, you know, 20 seconds, one minute, three minutes, what have you. And you, you get used to knowing what that works. It doesn't always work. Um, but for the, for the, well, I was very lucky with this one. It was my first shot and I got it right. Um, but what is the yeah, exposure on this? Do you know? Uh, this was F11, um, three minutes at 400 ISO. Interesting. What, what, what body and, and lens? That was, um, this was the 5DSR um, with a 16 to 35 millimeter Mark III, the new one that came out. And the reason for that uh, was two weeks earlier, I smashed my 11 to 24 in, in Snowden um, by dropping it on a rock and I didn't have the, my wide angle lens. So I had to hire, I wanted to hire an 11 to 24, but they didn't have any in stock and they gave me the 16 to 35 um, Mark III, and it is a stellar lens. And when you add that to a 50 megapixel body, like the 5DSR, um, you are going to get a shot like this. <laughs> you know, I mean, do you do you wish that you had had the 11? I mean, th no. was this at 16? No. Uh, good question. I can tell you, I've got the EXIF there. Um, yes, it was exactly 16 millimeter. So, do you wish? I mean, that you had more width with the 11? 
No, because that's one thing. I love the 11 to 24 millimeter lens. Um, I use it as much as I can, but it is a very heavy though, lens. really heavy. It's very heavy, um, but it's a very difficult lens to shoot with because you need a sense of perspective. Because if I shot this at 11 millimeters, those mountains would not look as majestic. They would fade into the distance. So it's one of these lenses where you have to have something in the foreground to create a um, a sense of perspective or, or something because it's 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 a tough lens to shoot at. Um, you you need to, huge mountains to to have it look like there's something significant in the, in the background. Um, it's more of a foreground lens, really. So when you're shooting with the 16 to 35, the brand new one, the Mark III, which I yep. hear is is insanely Phenomenal. sharp Phenomenal. and appears to be. Yeah. Um, what do you do to acclimate your gear? I mean, to prevent lens fog and all that type of a thing. Well, that that's an interesting one because I've I pro I would have to say that that has only happened to me. You know, you, you've 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 been following what I've been doing, and you've seen how often I've been out. The fogging up of lenses has probably happened to me. I could count it on one hand how many times it's happened to me. It's never really been an issue, um, as nor has um. You know the temperature with with camera the actual camera working and i've never had any, i mean i was shooting at minus 26 on everest base camp and it was fine there was no you know the camera didn't seize up or anything the batteries were fine i mean i i get occasionally i get a notification on on my drone rc that says you know warm up the batteries because you know they're, they're well below the temperature but i still i still fly it and it still flies so i think they kind of over uh, err on the side of caution when it comes to things like that, it, it's never been an issue for me. I have to say, you know, when you are, when you're in in this position in the mountains, the when I first saw this shot, I thought to myself, you know, one of the one of the neat things to me about photography is the photographer's eyes, right? I mean, we tell people when they go, "Oh, you have a nice camera." You know, <laughs> cameras don't take pictures; photographers take pictures. That old line, but that that to me is the beauty of photography. So when I when I Picture myself sitting here again, not going to happen, but, but but when I imagine in my mind that I'm sitting on this this ridge, there's 17 different compositions that you could do, right? You could put that monastery in the lower right third. Yep. You could put that yep. monastery in the lower left third. You could do some kind of a, you know, central horizon line. There's a lot of things that you could do when you're sitting up there. What was your. What was your, in your head at least, your goal with this composition? Why this angle well, of all the angles? as I mentioned before with the valley, you know, I was waiting for that cloud to come through. Um, and unfortunately, when I shot it, it wasn't at the peak. Um, as I was coming back down the ridge, the cloud just enveloped that and it looked a lot more dramatic. So I probably would have had an even more dramatic shot than I have. Um, but that was, the, that was the intent, was to capture the monastery um, within the frame you know, nicely as it sits below that beautiful mountain, I, I wouldn't even know what that mountain's called. But um, when that fog or cloud came through, not not fog, when it came through that ridge, it was absolutely stunning. Um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't sit out there for another five minutes for it. Um, I had actually seen a lot of shots, and, and this was kind of a um, a goal of mine to get an amazing shot of Tingbolshe because it is a stunning place. Um, there are so many, there are so many different places you can shoot the monastery from. Um, I just happened to go up here because it was a lot more accessible and, and at four in the morning, you don't want to mess about. Um, but I had seen a lot of photos um, 
some shrouded in mist. Um, and I, and I said to myself before I even left for, for Nepal, I want to get a killer shot from, of Tengboshi Monastery because it is a beautiful monastery and it's a beautiful location. Um, and I came out with, you know, probably one of my favorite landscape shots. Probably, I guess it is up there. Um, I think it is probably the best one I've ever taken just for the color and, and the fact that it was difficult to get. Um, in a short amount of time. And it I guess looks also- like a, this is one of those ones that looks like a painting at the beginning of yeah. a movie, a painting backdrop. It's so amazing. Now, I've yeah. seen the Star Trail one. Actually, yes. I saw also the one you, you had of um, the Matterhorn. Yes. Uh, with the Star Trails, which is absolutely yes. amazing. But but this shot is so beautiful. Uh, my, my last question really is, what did you do to this in post? And what yeah, do you I mean, use? Are you a Lightroom user? Sorry? No, I Are don't you a use Lightroom. Lightroom? I, no, I don't use Lightroom. I never have. Um, I use Camera Raw, um, Canon's Camera Raw, um, to, you know, to do the initial stuff and then go into Photoshop. But what I've found, um, and I, I can say that, I can vouch for that even more so now that I've had been upgraded to the 1DX Mark II through insurance, the 1DX Mark II and the 5DSR are the only two cameras I've seen that when you look at the shots on the back of the camera, you are blown away by the detail that's there. I mean, obviously the 5DSR is a 50 megapixel camera, so it's got a lot of details. That, I don't think I cropped that too much, but it's incredible. Um, the, it minimizes your post work a lot. And, and I think that's one thing I found with the 5DSR. What do I do, what do I do to it? I mean, it was, it was just adjusting bits and pieces in camera raw, you know, the exposure and the, and the, the temperature a little bit. I wanted to make it a little bit warmer than, than, you know, having it look too cold because you know, the monasteries there gave a nice warm light. I wanted the whole photo to depict that a bit. Um, dodging and burning, you know, you've seen you've seen my workflow process, kind of a stripped down version of that. Um, there's not a lot to work with in terms of light when, you, when you're talking about um, that time of morning. Um, so it's not like a, a stadium shot where you can really bring out the lights and things like that that I've done in the past with, with concert photos and almost made them 3D-like is from what people have said. Um, so it's just, I guess, trying to keep it as real as possible. And then the thing is with the Himalaya, it, it is a mount, it, 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 it is a, you said painting. It's like looking up at a painted sky. It's stunning. It, they're not mountains that you will see anywhere else in the world. You know, I've no, been in the, the depth. And, I mean, yeah. and maybe, maybe it's the 5DSR, yeah, but that's the part of it. depth in yeah. this image is you feel like you could reach through a canyon. <laughs> it's I'm glad. I mean, it's and when it, when you look at it, it I, I don't know if I sent you the high res shot, but when you look at it at you know 100 crop, you you are seeing formations on the rock. I mean, the the five DSR is a is a great camera. Well, so. I, I I can't say enough how much I appreciate your not only sharing the image with us, but kind yeah. of your whole experience around taking it because this is this is extreme photography, and this is the type of photography that most people will never get a chance to do. But a lot of what you a lot of what you do or go through to take this type of a shot can help the guy, you know, photographing his kid play soccer just in understanding by by really examining this location and timing and yeah and, and all of that type of stuff. If people want to know more about you, what's your website? Um it's I've I've gone completely with my name now. It's anthonydangio.com. Okay. And uh, of course you're on Facebook as the um, Anthony Dangio on Instagram. 
Instagram as well. Yeah, the Anthony D'Angio. Yeah. Uh, and then you're on YouTube, and that's where people can go look at the trailers. Yes. For the untitled film documentary, which yes, I, I kid you not, when you see the video and the photos and the the flybys of his drone in this thing. Um, you'll be hooked. You'll actually be like me. You'll be waiting for this movie to come out as a full movie Thank because you. amazing. And if, if anybody from Nat Geo is watching, you need to call this guy. <laughs> well, you know, all thing in good time. I think I believe things happen when they're supposed to happen. So, you know, I think that's, that's how I've changed my perspective on life. And, and I think everything is happening at the right time. And, and at the moment I am where I'm supposed to be. So I'm happy with that. Well, it's awesome to see you. Thank you so much for coming on. I will, as always, be following you online because you inspire me each and every day. So to my guest for today, Anthony Dangio on Behind the Shot, thank you so much for coming on. I'm your host, Steve Brazel. Make sure you join us for each and every episode of Behind the Shot. You can subscribe on the Google Play Store or on iTunes, whatever it might be, whatever your, your podcast location is of choice or whatever your podcast app is. This is the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind the shot. We'll see you next time. Thank you.